You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. An alleged thief caught on camera stealing a parcel off a doorstep in Langley claims it was all just a misunderstanding. The victim posted the video on social media and, after some public shaming, returned to the scene of the crime with the package and an explanation. Sarah McDonald has the homeowner's reaction. That package in the hands of this UPS mail courier was never meant for this woman, seen running away with it moments later. And I couldn't believe the way she stole it. She skipped across the line, big smile on her face, like it was a game. And that might have been the end of this story if it weren't for Courtney Thomas's home surveillance system, keeping a close eye on her Langley doorstep and catching what appears to be a brazen mail thief red-handed Wednesday. I got an alert that my package had first been delivered. And then about four or five minutes later, I got another alert and uh, there was a lady taking a package off my porch when I checked my uh, video surveillance. That's because that cleverly disguised camera triggered by a motion detecting sensor is set to record whenever somebody sets foot on Thomas's doorstep, installed exactly for incidents like this on the heels of a string of similar ones. When we first moved in, we actually had our copper plumbing stolen. And then uh, just recently, a couple weeks ago, we had two ATVs stolen out of our garage. In this case, Thomas watched her online order being swiped in real time, but it also captured this. What appears to be the suspect's vehicle trailing that UPS truck moments earlier. Who steals packages? You don't even know what you're stealing. It's just such an odd thing to even do. Which may be why that footage went viral, widely shared once it was uploaded, and likely behind this discovery by a Global News cameraman on Thursday. That parcel unopened and back where it belongs with this note attached, providing an explanation of sorts, claiming the parcel was part of a scavenger hunt and apologizing, signing off with the insistence that it was truly a game, not theft. Well, no, she went on somebody's private property and took a parcel. Uh, returned or not, it was still theft. Langley RCMP now looking to speak with that woman caught on camera. Your scavenger and hunt involves stealing people's mail. I, I don't really buy it. To determine if this really was a case of a game gone too far or sticky fingers. Sarah McDonald, Global News. A dangerous act of vandalism in Port Coquitlam. Someone took a chainsaw to three hydro poles, each holding high voltage lines carrying 12,000 volts each. Two of the poles were toppled. The third remained upright, held up by the wires. It happened early yesterday morning along the railway tracks in Gates Park, causing a power outage for thousands of customers. BC Hydro is now working with Coquitlam RCMP to investigate. Vancouver police are investigating the city's fifth pedestrian fatality of 2018. The victim was not in a marked crosswalk when he was struck on Southeast Marine Drive near Ross Street just after 6 this morning. Several bystanders rushed to his aid, but he did not survive. The driver, a 43-year-old Vancouver man, stayed at the scene and is cooperating. If you witnessed the crash and you haven't spoken with investigators already, you are asked to contact the BPD. Housing affordability is the number one issue in the upcoming civic elections, and a developer has come up with a novel option for renters who would like to own but can't scrape together the down payment. Aaron MacArthur explains how the rent-to-own plan gives people a chance to enter the market when it would otherwise be impossible. It is the standard condominium show home, complete with all the creature comforts. But this new building in Port Moody has something you can't see. 30 of the units in 50 Electronic Avenue will be rent-to-own. 
Local, first-time buyers get first crack at a home they can't afford right now. Essentially, the rent that you pay to us during those two years, we will hold that rent, and we're going to apply 100% of that rent towards the purchase price. On top of that, the purchase price will be locked in at $2018. The model for the building, this is phase Any one. increase in value will accrue to the new homeowner. There's a lot of money that comes straight out of the pockets of Panatch Properties. Rather than just writing a check for something, we felt that we wanted to produce something that actually made an impact on people. And this way, I think we can take 30 families and take them from being renters and turn them into homeowners. It's an idea the city of Port Moody is behind and people in the community are excited about. I think it's a great idea. We shouldn't have more of that. And wow, that's a good, very good idea. You know, when you're living in an area and you just see empty lots, it's nice to see them actually filled up. Most people agree solutions to the affordability crisis in the region won't come from a magic bullet. Instead, it will be a collaborative approach. The Brightside Community Housing Foundation wants government and nonprofits to be working with the private sector to find solutions. As opposed to a lot of the nonprofits, they have the capacity and the know how, which is essential to develop. While Panache is taking a hit on the 30 units, there are 328 more to be sold at market value. This is not a. Uh, a charity affair. <laughs> we still, I still have a family to feed and I do want to earn a profit. Sales at 50 Electronic Avenue begin this weekend. A new project in Port Moody potentially making the dream of homeownership available to more people. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. With two days to go until voters cast their ballots, one of the most dramatic races is shaping up in Surrey. The city's campaign has seen everything from allegations of voter fraud to candidates facing off with the RCMP. But as Sarah McDonald reports, constituents will be casting their ballots based on two major issues, gang violence and transportation. I hear pop, 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 maybe four or five shots, and they shot the kid already. It's become an all-too-common occurrence in the province's fastest-growing city. This is the number one issue uh, because we are suffering here. Gang and gun violence becoming almost synonymous with Surrey itself, leaving virtually nobody who calls it home unaffected. The issue already on the federal and provincial radar. Obviously, there are uh, significant challenges uh, facing youth in, in Surrey. And now it's galvanizing voters set to cast their ballots. I'm not sure if there's ever going to be a, a solution to that kind of a problem. A more more programs for younger kids, RCMP policy around Surrey. And exactly what should and can be done is a divisive topic, pitting candidates against each other and even the city's RCMP force. It's part of our accountability to the city of Surrey to make sure that people know the services that we provide and that we are serving the public in Surrey. Taking the unprecedented step of injecting itself into this year's campaign as calls grow by some to pave the way for a private police department. We need uh, more uh, youth, academic or some sort of involvement with uh, policing. And there's a responsibility from the parent side as well. The next station is King George. Another major point of contention? Transportation is a big issue. Transportation, particularly the polarizing light rapid transit project already approved for funding by the feds. Just resources are there, but I think it's always got to be a work in progress, I suppose. Um, they just need to get it done fast and quick. But it's facing major pushback, some platforms calling to scrap the project altogether or reallocate its funding, as allegations of electoral fraud cast a shadow over the campaign. The deputy chief election officer and I had sufficient cause to suspect unlawful activity so associated with the mail we'll ballot voting process. We'll find out in just process. over 48 hours.
That's a tough question. As BC's question. second largest city ushers in a whole new answers. era of leadership. Sarah McDonald, Global News, Surrey. Our apologies for those technical issues there. For much more on what the candidates had to say about the issues facing Surrey, log on to our website, globalnews.ca slash BC. Now, while civic elections traditionally have a low voter turnout, with so much change on the horizon now, it could be different this time around. Advanced polls are now closed, and our Sonia Diol has a look at what those early numbers may reveal and why this time around your vote may count more than ever. An unprecedented number of mayors not seeking re-election and councils that could look drastically different by next week. Yet how many people will make it to a polling station by Saturday and make their voices heard? Civic elections are a little more low-key and, uh, you know, some people think they're maybe a little more boring. In the last federal election, voter turnout was over 68%. In the provincial, it was 60 But in BC's last civic election, only 40% of registered voters came out. Break that down even more, areas like Burnaby seeing a turnout of only 26%. It's a privilege to be able to vote, and I never miss voting. I can't understand with, you know, the current global situation how people cannot take the time. In advance voting, people like Carol this time around have helped push the numbers in Vancouver up by 27%. Areas like Surrey and Burnaby also seeing an uptick. But is that because more people are engaged or simply because advance voting has been made more accessible? We won't know the answer to that till after the polls close on Saturday. The challenge for many, especially in municipalities like Vancouver right now, though, is knowing who to choose from a ballot with an unbelievable number of candidates. I think a big part of it is that the slate is so huge. It's overwhelming. To be honest, I don't understand who I would be voting for, what the different platforms they're running for are. Like, there's so many people to vote for. But according to strategist Mike McDonald, that's all the more reason to get out and vote because the end result of who's running your city could be down to just a handful of votes. And we can look at how U.S. presidents get elected by a handful of votes in Florida. We can look at the last provincial election where a handful of votes in Comox decided the election. You never know if you're going to be that vote. With the clock ticking down to decision day, only a few hours left to influence who will be in charge of your streets. Sonia Diol, Global News. British Columbians put their earthquake preparedness skills to the test today in the annual Great BC Shakeout. Exactly. As you heard, the drill encourages participants to drop cover and hold on. It took place across the province today, including the legislature in Victoria. With a 1 in 10 chance the big one will hit B.C. in the next 50 years, this drill is a great way to learn survival skills and tips on recovering quickly wherever you live, work or travel. Nice to see Keith doing what he has always done there at the ledge. Okay, a heartwarming surprise for an 11-year-old we told you about earlier this week who had his special adaptive bicycle stolen. After our story aired, dozens of generous viewers came forward to help. In the end, the family chose Variety, which specializes in helping children with mobility issues. Linda Aylesworth has the big reveal. It's been a rough week for 11-year-old Braden Grosdanich. His adaptive bike, the one he's dreamed of owning for years and at long last received last month, was recently stolen. Chances of recovering it are slim, and yet every outing they search. Mom looks on the left and I look on the right. 
But what Braden, who was born with cerebral palsy, doesn't know is that things are about to look up. Braden's going to be so excited. Turns out people can be wonderful. Awesome. After our story about Braden's situation aired earlier this week, dozens of viewers offered to come to the rescue. Do you want to uh, get ready and we can uh, walk down to school? Today we returned, but Braden has no idea why or what awaits him outside the front door. Yay. This is so exciting. Hi. Hi. Hello, Braden. <sighs> <laughs> it's at Yay. this moment that something rare happens. Brayden is speechless. All of our family and donors at Variety, the children's charity, were so moved by the story that they wanted us to come together and give you this bike. But enough with all this talk. <laughs> He's happy. You can tell. You can tell. He doesn't even know what to say. He's <laughs> beside himself. And go. With a cast on his arm from recent surgery, he needs a little help at first. <laughs> but not for long. I got this, Mom. Okay, sorry, you got this. Neat, neat. It makes me feel very blessed that there's just so many amazing people out there. Thank you so much. And go. Go, go, Power Rangers. <laughs> Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Well, people in the community of St. Albert, just outside of Edmonton, are coming together to support a family terrorized by a racist threat. The family received a letter telling them to go back where they belong and even threatening their children. Our report is from Global Edmonton. Go back to the reserve where Indians belong? Yeah, I just couldn't believe it. I still don't believe it. This racist letter shocking neighbors in St. Albert. Immediately I felt sick, I felt sadness, but then I thought about our community and how I know this is not what St. Albert is. I know this is not what the Grandin neighborhood is and I don't want the horrible words of one to outweigh the love of our whole community. As a fellow mom, Kristen Kalmbach wanted Katrina Anderson and her family to know they're not alone. Comback decided to organize a flash mob of kindness. She posted on the community's Facebook page, inviting families to meet the Andersons. Can we show up with food, love, hockey sticks, bikes, and just play and offer our support? The kindness nearly bringing Anderson to tears once more, but this time for all the right reasons. Warm, like warm, like I'm really, like I'm really touched actually, just seeing everybody, I'm, I'm touched. <laughs> The families brought dinner, filling the small street with laughter and activity, proving a point to the anonymous, hateful neighbor. I'm glad that, you know, people aren't standing for this at all. Comback says the goodwill won't stop here. And if they want us to help use our muscles and help them move, if they want us to babysit kids, have a play date, we want them to know that they are a part of us. We are one community. Sarah Krause, Global News. Such a great story, but despite that show of support, the Andersons say they are still going to move out of the area. The RCMP are still investigating.
RCMP are issuing a warning tonight about a new take on the iTunes gift card scam that could come to your workplace. Our consumer reporter Andrea is here with more on how a BC government worker fell victim and how you can protect yourself, Anne. Mm -hmm. It's a familiar scam, but this one has a bit of a twist. Thanks, you two. This is yet another reminder of how we all have to be more careful than ever because scammers are upping their game in an effort to get your money. Police say the fake CEO scam is a growing threat to organize with losses ranging from hundreds to tens of thousands of dollars. In North Vancouver last month, an employee at a government agency received an email that appeared to be from her boss asking her to buy $500 in iTunes cards. Well, he claimed he was in a meeting and too busy to do it himself, and she should forward the iTunes card numbers back to him. Once the transaction was done, the victim got suspicious when she received a second urgent request for another $500. Turns out fraudsters had gained access to her supervisor's email account in order to target employees who had the power to access and move money. The RCMP are, are warning the public, anybody who's in a position of authority uh, and has access to money and your approach through an email, uh, if you think it's your boss, if you think it's the head of the company, somebody in finances, always double check, always look at the at the email address to see if it actually does match the person that you think you're connecting with, communicating with. And we've, there's been cases across Canada where people have been defrauded thousands of dollars. Companies have been directed by a fraudulent person to send money to places where it's out of the country. Now, there are several ways you can protect yourself from the CEO scam, including keeping antivirus software up to date and using strong passwords on email accounts. Also, take a close look at the sender's email address. It may be just one or two letters off from the real one. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Thank you very much, Anne. Thanks, Anne. All right, to no one's surprise, sales were brisk yesterday in B.C. on the first day of legalized marijuana. The lineups at B.C.'s only pot store in Kamloops, not quite as long today, but Wednesday's rush generated some big numbers. About 800 transactions at the store, more than 9,000 orders for jazz cabbage on the website. Three strains of pot were sold out in the stores. I just had to... Jazz cabbage? Just had to slip jazz cabbage in there. <laughs> Hey, well, I like that phrase. All right. Well, it is only day two of legal pot sales in Canada, but some people are already looking to the future. That's right. As Kylie Stanton reports, the push is on to duplicate BC's success with craft beer, but in the cannabis industry. Orange Crush, San Fernando Orgy, Ayahuasca Purple. It's some of the most potent and renowned marijuana strains, best known for where they come from. This is the BC bud that people talk about. For decades, independent but illegal growers have been developing these products, self-described as craft cannabis. And now, in the face of the ongoing green rush, they want in on the action. So these are things that are still not available on the legal marketplace and have really become a linchpin of our economy here. All lemon skunk. So far, the government is only using larger corporate growers to supply the now legal product, shutting out smaller producers. But it was the BC government that pushed for the inclusion of micro-licenses, allowing those with long-established expertise to continue to grow and sell to processors for distribution. There's a lot of interest, particularly from BC. I think that it will be uh, a big boost uh, to uh, 
to uh, the, uh, the industry here in British Columbia, particularly the regional industry. Here in Nelson, it's being called a big step forward. Cannabis has fed a lot of smaller communities, especially across the Kootenai region where we are now. And there's thousands of applicants who are waiting in the wings. But they could be waiting a long time. Micro-license applications only opened Wednesday, and the process of being granted one is incredibly in-depth and could take up to a year. We really need to move forward towards inclusion fast so that the people who are out there that want to come into this industry and feel comfortable and legal and safe have the opportunity to do so. It may open up a whole new market, much like BC's craft beer, providing an alternative to mass producers and an experience for those passionate about the products. If they would allow the producer to actually sell at their point of, produ- of production, so that way you can you can actually recreate the exact same model than you, than you see in craft beers. For now, craft cannabis will remain on what's being called the grey market, available only through shops like this one, still waiting on a license. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Pot customers in some provinces are raising concerns about the packaging of cannabis, saying it's not exactly green. Some customers finding their pot inside containers that are inside more containers. Other containers too large for the product inside. Stores say Health Canada sets the rules for packaging, but Health Canada says it's up to the provinces to decide how to adhere to them. An incredible rescue in Arizona and a tragedy narrowly averted. A man pulled up from the bottom of a mine shaft after spending three days trapped down there and fighting off snakes. I don't want you to. I want you to hook this to the head. Tonight, our first view from first responders. This is the harrowing rescue of John Waddell, the 60-year-old who fell 100 feet down a mine shaft while hunting for gold 90 miles outside Phoenix. Trapped for nearly three days, emergency crews were running out of time and light when they finally reached him 10 stories down. We've been down there since Monday. Breaking both his legs, but in good condition, Waddell was searching for a treasure, but almost lost something even more precious. I could hear him hollering, help, help, you know. Friend Terry Schrader went looking for Waddell when he never returned home Monday. He says it wasn't just the fall that nearly killed him. Did he say anything about rattlesnakes down there at all? Three of them he said to kill, I guess. Did they bite him? No. Tonight, the rescue of a lifetime. A man lost mining for gold, finding a miracle instead. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. The secretive underground artist who made international headlines by shredding his own painting at a high-profile auction earlier this month is at it again. In a new video, Banksy says things actually didn't go as planned. For $860,000. The earlier video captured the shock when a shredder secretly built into the frame of his girl with a balloon partially shredded the painting seconds after it was sold for more than a million dollars Canadian. Banksy now says the entire painting was supposed to go through the shredder, just like it did in rehearsals. A lot of interest on it, as you That's how it was supposed to work. The woman who bought the piece says she'll keep it, and experts say it's already worth more than what she paid for it. 
Once again today, hugging played a big part in the Australian tour of Prince Harry and Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex. During a stop in Melbourne, Harry noticed 18-year-old India Brown's sign that said, been here since 4 a.m., loved you since I was eight. So he went over and hugged her. a collective awe from the crowd. She was left in tears, speechless and shaking, something she will obviously never forget. She was walking on clouds for the rest of the day. No doubt, a story to tell for the rest of her life. Well, in Health Matters tonight, a group of parents of special needs children is speaking out, saying their kids aren't getting the money or the support they're entitled to from their school. And right after she spoke to the parents, Global's Catherine Urquhart came across what appeared to be a heart-wrenching example of the neglect they were highlighting. For everybody. In a desperate effort to help their special needs children, these parents are speaking out. We cannot even sleep at night. We are just thinking about our kids and our kids' future. All of their kids attend Grenfell Elementary in East Vancouver, where parents say their children receive little to no support from an education assistant. Very sad. Very hard to express. It's sad to hear this. I thought the government and, and the school board and, uh, and the Ministry of Education realized that what we were going to every day. It's a struggle. Doreen and Romer's daughter Christella has Down syndrome and in the past she has left the school property. Uh, security issues the main concern for us. Following our interview while getting exteriors of the school, we came across a sobbing child alone. It was Christella, her parents granting us permission to use this video. She has a severe uh, loss of hearing. The right, the right ear doesn't hear at all and the left one is uh, moderate to severe. And the problem that we have on that one, a concern is crossing the road, she will not be able to hear the, the cars. The Vancouver School District declined our interview request, saying staff were busy preparing for a Pro-D Day. Their email saying in part, student safety is always our first priority, and we work with families on an individual basis to plan and support students with diverse learning needs. The system doesn't work. And we need to look at real solutions and try to help all the children get a proper education. Parents of these special needs kids vowing to continue fighting for their children. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The Fall Home Show is kicking off at the Vancouver Convention Center West and our Michael Newman is there. Scoping out all the great ideas. What have you been finding, Michael? Okay, so the theme this you know, for this fall home show is comfort, making your home cozy because it's starting to get colder and darker earlier. So I'm here with one of the celebrity presenters, Miss Tiffany um, Pratt from Home to Win on HGTV. Okay. So yeah, so obviously you see a lot of home decor flips and people doing that kind of stuff. So what are the key things that inspire you to when, when you're thinking of um, flipping? So if someone's flipping a home, they're going for a whole new look, I always tell them to keep the things that they already have. Okay. Because I don't want their house to feel like a, like a showroom. Yeah. I want it to still feel like it's their space and it reflects who they are. So they can frost in older items with the newer elements that they've, in, that they've incorporated. The renovation always gives someone a more modern look, but I say throw in the antiques, throw in the stuff from grandma's house, <laughs> you know, throw in the paintings that your kids have made, make it truly feel like yours. Right, right. So it's like thinking of the, the house as, as 
a palette and you're just kind of adding different elements that, that make you, makes it feel unique, yeah? 100%, and I always tell people don't rush the process, mm -hmm. you know, especially if you're flipping homes and you're doing a renovation, don't feel like you have to have it all done tomorrow. Okay. You know, you can, yeah, yeah. You can take your time, live in the space, see how it speaks to you, what types of furniture really want to be in the room, how you want to live in that new arena yeah, that you've yeah. created. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. You're like creating, planting the seed here. So she's going to be giving a talk um, throughout the weekend, right? Yeah. So I'm here tomorrow at 7 p.m. Uh -huh. and then I'm going to be back again on Saturday at 3. All right. And my presentation is called The Gifts of Change. I love it. And I'm passing out gifts for change so people can leave the home show feeling inspired with things that will help them create goodness in their home. All right. Well, come see Tiffany. I'll be here. And that's it. All right, sending it back to you. <laughs> you got it. She's got great hair. Thanks, it Michael. Sure does. Maybe she could do something in the studio. We'll get her to come check it out. Uh, all right, a little later, some underwater video getting a lot of attention. A diver attacked by seals? It's actually the opposite. We'll explain right after the forecast. Right now, though, we're going to check in on the latest on this mild fall weather we've been enjoying. Lots of sunshine, but I understand there might be a blob in our future. That's right. I'm going to give you your winter forecast right now as far as we can see. And it starts off with the blob just in time for Halloween. Very scary. But what is it? It's basically an area where the water has a sea surface temperature of two degrees above normal. Now, this has a huge impact on our weather across the West Coast. We've only seen it two times before. Briefly in 2000. 2016, and then a more extended period in 2014 into 15. Now, in addition to the blob, we also have a likely uh, period of El Nino uh, uh, expected for this winter. So scientists just last week releasing that a good 70 to 75 percent chance we'll see an El Nino year. So what does this mean? Well, when we look back to 2014 and 15, where we had the blob and a strong El Nino year in place, this is what we saw, a warm, dry winter, almost no snow at low elevation, and a low mountain snowpack. Now, although that's great news for the drivers out there, I still urge you to put your snow tires on just in case, but it's not good news, of course, for the skiers and snowboarders. I urge you to remember this is still a projection so far, although we have a good sense that there will be an El Nino year. In terms of the blob, it's because of this big upper-level ridge, the sunshine we've seen in the last little while and we're in for a change come tuesday the pattern is going to change much cooler air is going to set to be pushed on so that much more stormy conditions and this could really disturb the blob so if the blob doesn't survive the weather forecast may be different altogether as we head into our winter. We'll be watching this very closely. Here's your forecast for your tomorrow. Rain across the north coast. The pattern continues across the north and southern interior regions. So morning fog, frost, afternoon sunshine. And that's the case across the south coast with morning fog patches. Beautiful conditions in the afternoon. We'll see that right through to Monday. Tuesday, though, it is looking wet. And it is certainly going to be wet Wednesday through Friday. And here's a look at your weather window for tonight from Bright. Franks in Abbotsford with the fog off in the distance and the fall leaves. Isn't that nice? Natural framing. Very mm -hmm. nice. Beautiful. <laughs> hey, seals are often called the dogs of the sea and a British divers video shows us why. Oh, Ben Burnville has been diving off the northeast coast of England and says he's become friendly with a number of seals. He calls one his dive buddy because it always seems like he's checking in to make sure that his mask fits properly. He says he has to get a seal of approval every time. <laughs> I see what you did there. 
Are you sure he's not trying to take the diver's mask off? Well, hey, get out of my pool, buddy. There are some there are some videos of that. I don't look like one of us. Thinking the seal might have been a little lonely. I love the hug part. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm looking on the dark side of things. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. give the seal the benefit of the doubt. All right. Okay. Uh, it's the end of the road for the Vancouver Canucks tonight. Although things have been going so well of late, they may want to stay out there. Three straight wins means they won't be worse than 500 on this six-game road trip. They may be over 500, depending on what happens tonight in Winnipeg. Trust his younger brother. The Tanev the brothers facing each other this made. evening. The right leg Anders Nilsson. Ehlers is going to try and Whoa, tuck it nice that save right on Nick skate. Ehlers there. So tight to the post that Ehlers... Nilsson's been the reason they've won three games. I mean, other guys have played well too, but without him, no, they wouldn't win three straight. Stopping Dustin Bufflin's shorthanded breakaway. But uh, on an ensuing power play for the Jets, you just can't give Patrick Liney this much time and space. Sorry. one nothing for Winnipeg. But check out this goal. Bo Horvat from Pouliot. Puck bounces fortunately at his feet again and is able to knock it by Connor Hellebuck. Look at the pass. Makes a little move here. Gets the puck back and it's 1-1 late in the second period. Tomorrow at BC Place, the BC Lions have a chance to get a spot in the CFL playoffs. All they have to do is beat Edmonton at home. And the Lions have been great at BC Place all year, so they're favored to do that. Uh, one of the reasons BC has fought back from a rather indifferent start to the season is special teams, the unheralded yet important cog in any football team's success. Want credit, go to the bank, because you ain't going to get it doing what you do. Now, when we put on that tape and you're whipping somebody's ass, that, that's, that's where you're going to get your satisfaction. There's not a lot of glory to go around in special teams. It's mostly thankless work covering punts and kickoffs, but it's such an important part of the field position game in the CFL. Jeff Reinbold was hired this year as the Lions special teams coach, and he's instantly made BC one of the best in the league. We talked about when we got to training camp about unreasonably high standards, you know, and we are not going to sacrifice or we're not going to bow down to mediocrity. Jeff, you know, he brings a lot of energy, you know, a lot of um, a lot of things that maybe we didn't have last year, such as technique and assignments. I think uh, Jeff brings a lot to that. And, uh, you know, I think we've improved tremendously this year. There's a good reason for the improvement. The Lions spend just as much time on special teams as any other part of their game. That's not typical in the CFL or even for the Lions before this season. In practice, each day, there is a phenomenal amount of time spent on special teams. You know, we do punt return every day. We do kickoff every day. There's still room for improvement. BC has only one punt return for a touchdown. They've had a few called back by penalties. But game in and game out, they've won the field position battle. And that's been a difference maker between wins and losses. You look at the games that we're winning, you look at the field position, you know, we're winning usually uh, per kick by about 10 yards. So you have six or seven kicks, you know, that's more than half the field. And, uh, you know, that's usually points. There's nobody in this that's an independent contractor. You, 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 our success is related to everybody doing their job. The Vancouver Whitecaps are missing seven players because of international duty in last night's game against Sporting Kansas City. But in the second half, 11 more Whitecaps went missing. They allowed four second-half goals in the game they needed to win 
to keep their playoff chances from fading. They lost 4-1 at home. Another stark reminder that they have not fixed their defensive problems which have plagued them all year. It was so bad, as we showed you before the break, Russell Tybert felt the need to apologize. Let me just say this. I've been a part of this team for quite some time now. And uh, this is the first time I want to apologize to the fans and to the people at this club because they don't deserve what they what they just saw. Uh, that was a team that gave in, and that's not what we're about here. We all, all of us, that entire locker room, we all need to take a, a long, hard look at ourselves in the mirror and, and, and figure out what it is and who it is, what we're playing for. All right. Squire disappeared. Thanks, dude. Well, we'll you're welcome. It's a magic it's a trick. Disembodied voice. Mm. All right, so these two guys between us are a little bit crazy. And Squire got a chance to spend some time with them. Should we give the warning? Yeah, we should give a it's warning. Maybe a little, you know. It's a little gross I'm gonna for have some my people. Eyes so you may, yeah, you, you, I mean, it's an interesting story, but it still may gross you out. You may want to look the other way for a little while. Uh, anyway, they basically do an old sideshow act, but they've been doing it for years at Fright Nights. Let us meet the monsters of Schlock. I'm the Great Orbax, and this is Sweet Pepper Klopek, and together we're the Monsters of Schlock. <laughs> the Monsters of Schlock is smart people doing seemingly dumb things, all in the name of entertainment. <laughs> it's Sideshow, and there's a fascination with the bizarre and with the strange, and we always say it's one of those things where, um, you know, people are doing this, but if you can get them doing this, that's the intent of the show. And while it is a carefully thought out act, mm -hmm. what looks mm -hmm. painful, whoa, that's mm -hmm. kind of gross, actually can be. So is it like football? Every football player will tell you Monday morning's the worst day. Oh, yeah, no, no, it is but exactly every, like that. Every, every morning. morning is Monday morning for us, though. <laughs> and when we said smart earlier, we meant it. The man putting a fork up his nose, he's also a physics lecturer at the University of Guelph. I think uh, teaching's important, and I think it's important for people to have people who are passionate and excited about things, teaching them subjects that you know, maybe traditionally have been a bit mundane. So the act often becomes a science class, an act that has traveled around the world. This is just, this is the best job in the world. Nothing else is this fun. We get to travel the world together, make people happy, which is the most important part. And sure, it hurts, but at the end of the day, I just love it. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And putting comedy in their act taught them something about human nature. People will feel for you more and get more of a response from an audience if they can get on your side, or if they can back you, or if they feel for you. Because they so, don't want to see you get hurt at that point. Exactly. It's a coyote trap. So what he's going to do is he's going to take his arm and shove it in there. Now we'll get a drum roll going. 